Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter reading of Lord of the Rings. My name is Anna. And my name is Ellen. And in today's episode, we are discussing Book 1, Chapter 8, Fog on the Barrow Downs, exploring how community is built through bravery. When you think of bravery, Anna, do you always think of the movie Braveheart and the guy yelling freedom, or is that just me? Um, I did not think about that, but I did think about the movie Brave, the Disney movie, um, with Merida. Even better. The red-haired queen of our hearts, queen of our minds, uh, choosing her own path. So that was one of my first associations. But it's curious that you say that, because my opening question to you is going to be, when you think of bravery, who do you think of? (laughs) Um... I think when people just randomly say bravery, I do think of Gryffindors because having grown up living and loving the Harry Potter books, that's being brave and bold and courageous is really what ties that house together or so they say. So that's that's always what comes to mind for me. Interesting. So you go kind of the fictional route regardless of uh, context your sort of first association. Yeah, in almost every part of my life, whenever someone asks, like, oh, who is someone that you'd like to have dinner with? And I'm like, do they have to be alive and or real? Because Mm. I spend most of my time thinking about fiction. I love that. That's Mm -hmm. a very interesting thing to know about you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what my tattoo is about. Have you seen, you've seen my tattoo. Yes, I, on more than one occasion, forget that you have a tattoo. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, the, the quote is, it's real for us from the Harry Potter books. And I picked that quote because it speaks on how when I am reading fiction, I feel completely immersed in that story and it feels very real to me. And now is the time that I would like to shout out another podcast. If we're, Are we allowed to shout out other podcasts? I think as long as we're giving them credit, that seems appropriate to me. Okay, I'm going to shout out another um, podcast called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. And their executive producer, Ariana Nettleman, has a quote. Um, Fiction doesn't help you escape from the world. It helps you live in it. And I like that because I think so many, and that's kind of what this show is, is that fiction helps you dive more deeply into what you're living in your day-to-day life. It's like, it's safer to explore topics through fictional characters and like really push yourself that way. And that's one of the things that I like about it, which isn't very brave, maybe. I don't know. I can't tie that into today's episode, but that's, that's why I like fiction. Well, and I think, I think there is an element of bravery there when we transition from that thought of, you know, exploring through fiction and then applying it and choosing to see it in our regular life, right? So kind of transitioning from that uh, theoretical to the application does require an element of bravery because it means maybe needing to see oneself pretty clearly and to perhaps make an unpopular decision. But 
feeling really comfortable that that decision is backed maybe by your favorite fictional character can help us stand in spaces where we maybe otherwise wouldn't have chosen that path or chosen that path as explicitly or as directly. So I do think it ties into to our episode today. That was a great through line that you pulled there. I was very impressed and I <laughs> think you're right. <laughs> well, all right. So having said that then, what is your story for us today about bravery? My story today is short, uh, but its outcome has been extremely far-reaching in my life. And it, it sort of, it's built on this idea that in order to build community in any meaningful way, that requires bravery. Because I think that building community, you need to, you need to have vulnerability, you need to have intimacy, and those I think are very brave moments and brave emotions to lean into. So my story is that at some point in my early teen years, maybe 14 or 15, I remember sitting at home and just feeling exceptionally sorry for myself because I was bored during the summer with nobody to hang out with. Nobody had invited me to hang out anywhere, and I couldn't drive yet, so I was essentially stuck and was really the, the picture definition of a forlorn teen. And I remember complaining about my pitiable state to our mother, and she said to me, well, why don't you invite someone to hang out? And that was such a like light bulb moment for me, because in my addled teenage brain, I guess I just hadn't thought that that was possible. So I did, and I remember walking down to a thrift shop on our main street in our hometown with some friends who had been able to walk over, who knew we were all within walking distance of each other. And I just felt such control over my life and knowing that I didn't have to be alone if I didn't want to be. And so it was true then, and it's still true now, um, that I am a little bit scared or trepidatious of inviting people to hang out or to come to a party that I'm hosting because in my mind, there is immense social risk. You know, what if they don't come? What if they're busy or they say no? But I remind myself that that almost never happens. And when it does, it's not the end of the world anyway. So when I'm working to, you know, build up my bravery in these moments and put myself out there before extending an invitation to somebody, I remember how delighted I am when people ask me to hang out. And I remember my mom telling me that if you are not being invited to the parties and the social events that you want to be, you can just make them yourself. And I think that applies to community too. You know, if you are not in or experiencing the type of community that you're craving, you can just make it yourself. And it takes some bravery to put yourself out there like that, but I have personally always found it to be incredibly worthwhile. I love that story in part because I think it shows we have ownership in creating community, both to be responsible in the ask as well as to be self-aware in what we're trying to create, right? So like if we're asking from a place of 
of deficit to be really intentional about what we're trying to grow with the ask, right? So it's not like, oh, I'm going to invite someone because I just want to be invited. It's to invite someone to create an experience that I want to share in and how that can really um, then build a community with those values at its core. And I think that's a really important thing to remember. And I think that's a really important thing to remember for our young listeners too, should we have any, that like you have a lot of power in asking for things that you want and that you have a lot of power in designing a future that you want to see. And so um, it's important to remember to be brave and to uh, step into that power, even if you feel like, I, you know, I can't drive and I can't do all of these things and I'm just a kid and and why should I step in and do something with with power behind it? But just know that you always have that within you um, to create something really great. Yeah, that you have that in you to create this thing and to be brave there. And then also that other people are probably feeling the same way you are as well. Like the the two kids that I asked to go to the surf shop with me, they also had nothing to do that day and were like, oh, this is now a nice thing. I get to spend time with people that I like and forge better bonds. And you can look around and see who else is around you missing those moments as well and maybe missing a little bit of community. And then you can just invite them and just do it. It's wild. <laughs> I was thinking about that today because I recently moved into a new neighborhood and I am not an outgoing person which may seem counterintuitive given that we started a podcast and like are gonna post it on the internet um to be consumed by strangers um but I wanted to have a connection with the neighborhood in which we were moving and really just be able to kind of have a conversation with folks as we encountered them through their daily lives not that I was trying to really forge close relationships with them, but that I just wanted to have that sort of familiarity with those that we were potentially living around for for a long period of, of our lives. So I baked some cookies and took them to the other homes and just said like, hey, wanted to introduce myself to the neighborhood you know, I'm Anna, this is my partner, gave them our dog's name, um, and then kind of invited them into conversation. And since then, we've really had people respond really quite lovingly to that moment. And we just had a neighbor bring us over corn the other day because they had some extra from a thing that they were, an event that they were Stop. at. Stop, that's so lovely. Some Isn't extra that cute? corn. So they wow. um they brought us over and then we had that for dinner and we invited another friend over. So it was just like this really nice um, community care where one moment of kind of stepping outside of our comfort zone has really brought us back um, all kinds of things tenfold. So I really appreciate your story and thinking about that, some of those those moments. Yeah, you were brave and now you have community. Now we have corn. Now, and corn. <laughs> Community and corn. The, the two great C's that you yes. can aspire for. <laughs> um, well, with those sort of double bravery stories, I think it's time to move into what happened in this chapter. Would you like to run us through the highlights? Yes. So, kind of an interesting chapter. We continue on with our Tom Bombadil um, adventure. Ooh. 
He is such a he's such a character, which is like it's a very obvious thing to say because they're all characters, but he in particular <laughs> is really a character. Yes. So uh, the boys, as I'm referring to them, um, leave the house of Tom Bombadil and mean to leave the Downs. They take kind of an accidental nap after a ride and a big lunch and awake to a setting sun and heavy fog. So something that feels quite ominous. Frodo thinks that he sees a gap that they were looking for earlier that will take them out of the Downs and rushes towards this and then is possibly separated from the group and now is in the dark and in the fog um scared and alone so potentially he's taken by a barrel white um as are the other hobbits though it's tough to confirm that kind of in this moment in the chapter but frodo becomes increasingly courageous and remembers that tom taught him a song to sing when he was feeling alone and so Frodo sings the song and Tom appears again because he's some sort of like mystical, magical uh, being. And then Frodo and Tom team up to rescue the other hobbits and they lose their clothes in that process. Uh, that was not really a- an important plot point, but I wanted to highlight right, it. Right, but yeah, where did the clothes go? Right. Um, so then Tom has to go, like, locate the clothes and comes back with the ponies that had run off while the, um, hobbits were taken by the Barrowites, plus a sixth who is unfortunately named Fatty Lumpkin, um, and has also named all of the other ponies as well because in all of the other things that he can do, uh, he also is a namer of ponies. And then there are, like, treasures as well that are taken from the Downs when the hobbits are rescued, and they arm themselves now with knives that are the equivalent of swords for the hobbits. And so Tom escorts the newly clothed and armed uh, hobbits to the road that they were originally looking for. And then upon reaching the road, they remember that they were being pursued by a rider and that threat becomes now more conscious to them. And they head towards the Prancing Pony Inn. Um, And Frodo is now traveling under the name Mr. Underhill instead of his own Frodo Baggins. And that is how chapter eight ends. I think it's hilarious that the book specifically tells us after they have been given these swords, quote, Fighting had not before occurred to any of them as one of the adventures in which their flight would land them. Because, like, the almost the rest of the story is fighting, and it's, to me, telling the state of mind that the hobbits were in when they left, that it did not even occur to them that they would need any sort of de- physical defense on this quest. Yeah, I think it, it also states to me, how little information all of them have when they're embarking on this journey, right? Both because people or um, beings that they encounter have really been reluctant to provide them information and potentially scare them, but also that they then are sort of marching into this reality, perhaps a bit unprepared, and that this is really the first time that they've had to reckon with that notion. So kind of a kind of an interesting, maybe double-edged sword of, of sharing information. So on a different note, if you had to name your next pet, 
one of the names of the ponies listed in this chapter. And I'll read them to you now so you have them top of mind. Mm-hmm. Which one would you pick? And your options are sharp ears, wise nose, swish tail, bumpkin, white socks, or fatty lumpkin. And it's hilarious to me, number one, because Bumpkin is clearly only given that name so that it will rhyme with Fatty Lumpkin. (laughs) I mean, I really like Swishtail. I think that just sounds um, both sort of sassy and also factual. Yeah, that's a good choice. Your selection would be? I would go with Wise Nose because it kind of reminds me, like, you use wise guys. Um... (laughs) And, like, that'd be a fun thing to call out to your dog at the dog park. Like, it's a requirement that if you say wise nose, it has to be in that very caricatured voice of, like, a 1920s gangster from New York. Right. (laughs) Right. Hey, wise nose. Say you wise nose. (laughs) The entire borough of the Bronx is shaking their head at me right now. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I can't do the accent, um, but we gave it a good shot. Mm-hmm. So that is what happened in the chapter. But, Ellen, where did you see examples of the theme in the chapter today? So the main point of bravery in this chapter is Frodo versus the Barrow White. And you talked about it a little bit in your recap. And so let's go to that page and call out some of the text specifically. So we find Frodo laying down in the darkness. He's terrified, but he starts thinking about Bilbo Baggins and his stories. And then there is a seed of courage hidden that he finds. And the, the thought of him dying and his adventure ending hardens him. And from there, he doesn't feel like helpless prey anymore. He starts to feel as if he's ready to fight. But then he hears the Barrow White singing a song, and from there, the courage fades a little bit, and he thinks, maybe I can just get away by myself with this ring, and that, you know, he would grieve Merry Sam and Pippin, but be free and alive himself, and there was nothing else that he could be done. But no, the courage that had been awakened in him was now too strong. Quote, he could not leave his friends so easily. So that's like the main part of this chapter that talks about courage. And then the other thing that I wanted to bring up is that throughout this chapter, and also just in general, there is a lot of language around hearts. So earlier on in the chapter, on page 154, it says, quote, It seemed faint-hearted to go jogging aside over the crumpled skirts of the downs towards the road. And then that makes me think of the words, you know, take heart, be stout of heart regarding courage. On page 167, Tom says, have good heart. And so my question is, combining these two moments, how are love and courage related? And the answer that I'd like to test out on you is you can't have one without the other. What say you? I think that's a really interesting concept because I think love is what gives us courage. Love is the basis we rely on when needing to step into spaces that are uncomfortable or where we need to be brave because 
love may be the thing that helps us feel safe or that helps us feel cared for. And so without that sort of support, it becomes a lot more challenging maybe to step into your own bravery. I think that's right. I also think it goes the other way because it's a very courageous thing to love. I don't know that you could really love somebody without having some courage because to to be a human and to love is to lose. It's to experience loss. And so what struck me about this chapter is that the key moment where Frodo is courageous and he's like, ah, maybe not. Maybe I'll just, you know, go and leave my friends. He then imagines grieving them. And that's when he's like, no, I am going to stay and I am going to fight this weird hand thing crawling at me. And it's his friends and his memory of Bilbo that give him that final bravery in order to face down this barrel white that is truly terrifying. For me, I'm, I'm just imagining a circle back and forth, back and forth with these two emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there, there is some symbiosis maybe to, to the love and courage concept because, and I think, I mean, coming back to your original example and thought about, you know, who you think about when you think about brave, bravery, you think about the Gryffindors. Um, from another favorite series, Harry Potter. And so their bravery is often in building really lasting friendships and to be quite loyal and, and stout in that regard. So I do think there's a very interesting relationship there. And I think in the absence of love, that courage or bravery feels a lot more haphazard. It feels a lot less situationally specific and can kind of be almost an outburst uh, or an attention-seeking, maybe. Or a lot more selfish. Right. You know, like Frodo trying to save himself without the love of his friends feels selfish. Right. So I, I think there are some interesting themes that we can explore there as far as what does maybe the absence of love and the absence of community mean for how we choose to be brave? And is it still bravery then? Or is it something else? It's not where I thought my mind would go after reading this chapter, but I do think that there's a lot there to look at. And to go back to what I was saying earlier, all of this started to come to my head because in this chapter, they use the phrase faint-hearted to be the opposite of brave, and to have good heart is what Tom says as he's telling the hobbits to go on to the end of the Prancing Pony without him. So there seemed to me like a real kinship between these two emotions, that to be brave, you, you need to have good heart, you need to take heart, and that is the same as courage. Is there something there? I think so. I, I'm thinking about the quote um, from page uh, 159, where it says, quote, There is a seed of courage hidden, often deeply it is true, in the heart of the fattest and most timid hobbit, waiting for some final and desperate danger to make it grow. Frodo was neither very fat nor very timid. Indeed, though he did not know it, Bilbo and Gandalf 
had thought him the best hobbit in the Shire. So I think this is kind of an interesting distinction about what makes Frodo good and whether his heart and his care and his connections with his community make him stand apart from those other hobbits with whom he may be compared. And is that the reason why Frodo can kind of step in in this moment to save his friends? Because this desperate danger is now present to grow the seed of bravery that he has deep inside him and that his heart is kind of in the right place to care for those that he loves. And so he can, you know, he can choose bravery and choose sort of the selfless act in in saving his friends. And I think that also might be an answer to why Sam is so often not affected by the ills that have befallen this trio so far because he has such a pure heart and I wonder if maybe this is pointing us to Sam is sort of the courage guide the not not the spiritual guide but like he is further along in his journey of being brave and of being kind-hearted than Frodo and Frodo gets to him by the end but like that's why these two together are the unstoppable force that can selflessly take the ring all the way Mm -hmm. well and it's it's interesting too because I don't think that if you asked Sam if he were brave I don't think he'd outright claim that for himself but he loves Frodo so deeply that brave actions feel like acts of love. And so they become maybe an easier choice to make because he isn't doing it for, you know, under the auspices of being brave, but instead because he simply loves his friend and wants to make sure that they do this task right and well. So it is interesting then, does that kind of separation from maybe the status of choosing brave moments or doing things that are hard or dangerous you know is that why like you said sam is perhaps more insulated from these other nefarious pulls and forces that are seem to be acting a bit more intentionally on on the other three he has the stoutest heart that's right Did you have anything that you wanted to share around today's theme? I think the only other example that I found uh, myself thinking about bravery is towards the very end of the chapter where the hobbits are now reckoning with and becoming aware that they are going somewhere where they have like no knowledge that kind of only lives in their minds and that is beyond Shire lore or legend as far as you know how far they've come on along their journey and that they continue even though this is becoming increasingly unfamiliar to them and what kind of bravery that looks like as well having to choose the unknown feels like a really big ask especially for culturally hobbits where we know that they are very um creatures of comfort right we we know that hobbits are sort of creatures of comfort and that you know culturally they are very rooted 
quite literally to their their physical space into the Shire. And so to think that they there are these four that are choosing to go beyond even the stories that are told within the Shire feels really, really brave to me. And to just drive home my earlier point, I don't think any of them would be making that choice if they didn't love Frodo. Like, I don't think they have an incentive to go on this journey and to be brave and push further and further if they didn't love and admire Frodo so much. Right, because, and to your point, they they even engage in this journey so, I don't want to say thoughtlessly, but it's like they hadn't considered the reality that they're walking into because they didn't make the choice to go on a quest or to save Middle-earth, but instead because Frodo needed help and because they love him, they wanted to help him. And so that's that was the condition, that was the contingency, and that was the basis for the decision more than anything else. Let's hear what the action item is for this week. Ellen, what's your charge to us as community members? So this is our most abstract action item that we have had to date, but I wanted it to be that way because I felt like I am not going to be able to pick one thing that means bravery to everybody. So my action item for you is to be stout of heart and put yourself out there. And I don't know what that looks like for you. For me, that means reaching out to somebody who I admire professionally to ask them out for coffee. This is the way that I am going to put myself out there and be brave and do something that is outside of my comfort zone. So for you, that might be asking somebody out romantically. It could be hosting a dinner at your house when you're not used to hosting. But just pick something that is brave for you. You know what your boundaries are. And go from there. Because I think that's really the only way that you're going to make meaningful connections to others is if you are brave in the asking. I love that. And I think it's also really important to note that you said you know what your boundaries are. So just to really draw a line between being brave and being reckless. So just to really be um, thoughtful in the ask that you're making of yourself and to make sure that it's something that encourages you to grow, but isn't going to Put yourself in a dangerous space, either, you know, emotionally or physically or whatever. Again, respect your your boundaries. And if you don't get it right the first time, be brave and try again. Yeah, we got to pick a right size issue to tackle here. Right size for you. That's right. Hey, ho, bumba-dil, I'm really excited for the next episode. Why? Because we're done with Tom? <laughs> um, in part, yes, but also because I like what happens next uh, with the prancing pony yes. and getting some more, uh, like, kind of high-octane events that feel a little less acid-trippy. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything up until now is not my favorite part of these books. Yeah, like, agreed. Everything that I love about The Lord of the Rings 
comes later. Like, shit's about to get good, and it hasn't yet. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very slow start and a very trippy start. So I don't know how we can say that, but, like, you know, listeners, (laughs) if you're feeling challenged to love these books (laughs) at this moment... Let me just say, I hear you, mm-hmm. your concerns are valid, and I encourage you to keep going. Be like the hobbits, and continue on. Be brave. It will get better. Keep plodding along. We're coming That is there my appeal you. to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's well made and well timed. Today's podcast was sponsored by Fatty Lumpkin's Pony Express. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. Also, I feel like maybe we didn't talk enough about Fatty Lumpkin. You said it sort of briefly there, but, like, that is a ridiculous name for a pony. But I also love it. (laughs) It feels just a little... It feels a little intense, but I think for the animal, I like the idea that it's just a very... Like, he a chonker. He's just a very... (laughs) You know, he's just a very stout, well-fed pony who is going to get you to your destination. I've changed my earlier answer from wise nose to uh, Mm -hmm. Fatty Lumpkin. If I ever had a corgi, I would for sure name the corgi Fatty Lumpkin. That's incredible. Um, I like the idea of having to call the vet and pick up a prescription for Fatty Lumpkin. Or if he's a corgi, he's probably British, so we could call him, like, Lord Lumpkin. Lord Lumpkin! Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Come hither. Ayo, fatty. <laughs> fatty Lumpkin! <laughs> okay, I'm gonna stop recording. <laughs> that feels best. <laughs>